Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine and Elwood. If you are new here, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life as a mum of two. Sharing all the highs and all the lows, not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, experts in their fields, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and being part of today's conversation. So today on the podcast, I have one of my incredibly good friends, Annie Clark, is joining me to share with us her IVF experience because she is pregnant. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you, lovely. Yeah, very exciting. (laughs) So I am completely none the wiser to anything to do with IVF because it hasn't been something that I have had to go through or to even look into. So I'm hoping that this conversation will open my eyes, educate me and also listeners for those who may be having to look at this for their journey or maybe supporting a friend who is going about um, their journey this way into pregnancy. So how are you feeling, first of all, and how's your pregnancy been so far? So I'm feeling a little bit tired today because I had a bit of a sleepless night. Um, we, as you know, Emma, we moved house this week, <laughs> got married last week, um, and are doing all all of the seemingly big life stuff at the same time. But um, in general, I'm feeling really good, um, and I'm so grateful to be able to say that because my first trimester was absolutely brutal, um, and. I think having gone through the IVF process, I wasn't really expecting it. I know I have friends and family who had a tough time in their first trimester. Um, but I think I was so fixed on kind of getting past the starting blocks that I didn't really think about what was coming next. Um, and it really knocked me for six. I had just had the most debilitating nausea um, and ended up taking about six or seven weeks off work unexpectedly, um, which I was very fortunate to be able to do because I work for myself. But of course, it meant uh, the implications of it were that essentially my business stopped running for that time. Um, and now I finally got the energy to start picking picking up the pieces again and, and sort of getting back to a somewhat normal existence after a bit of a rough start (laughs) (laughs) you are doing those what is it like five most stressful things in life something like that I do most of them (laughs) (laughs) at the same time (laughs) yeah I feel I feel very lucky we've taken it all we I think we have managed to take most of it in our stride just through the pure ridiculousness of it Mm. I think because we realize how mad we are we're just kind of getting up and being like, what needs to be done today? What needs to be done today? And not even thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow. And, you know, you write a list and I don't think, okay, that whole list needs to be done now. And like, what can I do from that list now? And that's been a bit of a game changer for both both me and my now husband, Will. Um, yeah, it's um, it's basically been the only way of surviving it, I think. <laughs> So the nausea is now gone. 
Yes. And, it oh, was, thank goodness. Yeah. And everyone said it would be like a switch at 12 weeks. And I was like, how is this just going to switch off? And it did. It just amazing it just stopped. Um, so I feel very, very lucky, I think. And, you know, I was I was fortunate that I wasn't actually well fortunate in a way because I wasn't being sick. So I didn't have to worry about nutrition and dehydration and that sort of thing. Um, but I do think there was a bit of a there's a bit less. um kind of sympathy and understanding if you're not actually being sick because people don't until you experience that kind of nausea I mean I certainly didn't understand it from other people's accounts so um yeah it's um it was tough but I but we made it through and and I think like everything in life it is temporary um and now I can't even imagine how I felt that that poorly no no, I don't. And I remember at the t- I remember at the time with Amandine because I had the same nausea as you. I yeah. wasn't feeling sick, but it was just completely. Uh, it was just yeah, completely horrendous. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember thinking, "There's no way I can do this again." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> and I did. Um, yeah. So. At what point did you realise in your pregnancy journey that you were going to look at going down the IVF route? So it's interesting because I think, I don't know whether I tempted fate here, but I think I always had a bit of an intuition that that was going to be our journey. Um, I My sister had previously been through IVF because of a genetic condition that's in our family that I've never been tested for. Um, and as we started trying to conceive um I I kind of said to myself I was like if this is either this is either going to happen first time or it's going to be really really tough um and so I kind of when it didn't happen which of course is nonsense that's just what had was in my head um but when it didn't happen first time I sort of buckled in and was like okay just like just be gentle with your expectations be kind to yourself here because it could this this could be a journey um and around 18 months in I I'd been tracking my cycle for a couple of years before um so I was quite in tune with my body I hadn't been on any sort of hormonal contraception for 10 years or something which I have to say now upon reflection is for, I'm so glad, like mm. grateful to my younger self for doing that because I learned so much about my myself in, in making that decision. And it's not right for everyone, but it was right for me um, or for us. And I could see that I was having anovulatory cycles. Um, and because I'd flagged those with my doctor previously, when I mentioned it um, to them sort of, a year 18 months into um trying to conceive they basically said that they would start referring me to fertility so it usually takes you usually need to be trying for about two years before most um depending on where you live and this is UK based of course that's well that's where I live um but you usually have to be trying for two years before you'll be referred but if you have previous history of um any sort of reproductive issues or women's health issues then that depending on where you live there is some some flexibility so they referred me quite early on you know 18 months in or something and then that was kind of um mid-pandemic and the wait lists were just getting longer and longer and longer um and 
uh, our start date. I w- I'd been sent for some tests at my hospital and things, but the start date was getting pushed further and further back. And I was kind of more and more sure that that was the route that we'd have to take. And our hospital had given us, we did have one um, sort of preliminary meeting at the, the hospital. And they said, well, basically your options are to have ovulation induction IUI um, or IVF those are kind of the three options for you and they gave us the kind of the proposed success rates of them or what they you know what they expected outcomes would be and actually for for us and our um, our case um, IVF was whilst it's the most intense and invasive and um, it was the clear option for us and I, by this point, we were kind of two years in and I, rather than spending the next six months going through the ovulation induction and tracking everything, I was just really ready to, to get started. Um, but our date kept getting pushed back and back and back with the NHS. And my understanding now is actually at the hospital that we were being seen by. Um, I think they actually don't currently have an embryologist and you can't um, run IVF without an embryologist, or at least they might have one now, but they um, that's kind of why on top of the pandemic push, making everything kind of delayed, there was that additional issue. Um, so in the end, we, we um, decided to choose a nurse-led low-cost clinic that was in our affordability. Full IVF wouldn't have been, you know, like a, a sort of standard IVF clinic wouldn't have been um but this was and so we decided to go down that route and once we did that we were able to get things moving relatively quickly um so yeah it's it, it I think it's difficult because for some people you know you might be trying for much much longer before IVF as a consideration but for us I think I had this kind of intuition that it was going to be that way um and and perhaps that came from knowing about my sister's experience. I was sort of more, it didn't feel like quite as big a deal to me. Um, and I so, kind of knew it was a possibility. So what does IVF entail? What what do you have to do? So it really, it, I'll, try and, I'll try and explain it succinctly and generally, because it's different for everybody. But essentially, um, if you are a like male female couple and both of you have um the woman has eggs and the man has um healthy sperm then essentially what happens is the woman is stimulated so that her follicles produce usually one follicle would produce one egg that month and that egg would be released what they try to do is stimulate so that multiple follicles mature so that you can um collect multiple eggs in that one cycle Mm. so you'll have stimulation injections and drugs to make that happen and you'll be monitored through that process with a lot of internal scans where they check how quickly they're growing how many are growing and then if you respond to treatment and they're able to collect eggs so this is all kind of best case scenario um, they collect those eggs your partner will um give a um I always say a sperm donation it's not a donation if you're in it together but they will they will give their sample um and then they're taken away basically mixed together in a lab um and you will then have a series of phone calls essentially from the embryologist saying okay this let's say we collected eight eggs 
six of them have fertilized. We'll call you in three days time and tell you how many of those have developed to healthy day three um, embryos. So that's so then let's say you might end up with four. I'm plucking these numbers out. So these aren't my numbers and they're not average numbers. I'm just making these up. So from your six fertilized eggs, let's say you have uh, four that get to day three and look good at day three. They might freeze. In our case, they froze one, the the kind of healthiest looking one at day three, um, just in case none of them get to day five. They want they want as many as possible to get to day five. But in case none of them get there, if there's one that looks really good at day three, they might freeze that one. And then you get another call at day five saying, yep, this many have um, got to day five. And if you have day five, they're blastocysts at that point. And if you get to that point um, and everything's fine um, and you're going for a fresh transfer, they'll then um, they'll then transfer that back into your body um, in the same cycle. Now, in my case, we um, we were very fortunate that my body did respond to the stimulation. We collected lots of eggs and we ended up with, you know, a good handful of fertilized embryos of different grading. So they're all graded depending on how their cell development is going. And we, but unfortunately, one of the wonderful things about my clinic is that they want to avoid anything that could create high risk in your pregnancy, but it does make them slightly overcautious. So they have lower thresholds for um, what they call a freezal. So in all of the clinics, if you collect a certain, over a certain number of eggs, they worry that you're going to be at risk of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, um, which can make you really sick, can just, and, and I, I, won't, I feel like I'm already going into quite a lot of detail, so I don't want to overload. Um, but if you do get successfully pregnant, that can cause another surge um, in the hormone that like further perpetuates the hyperstimulation. So they don't want to do anything that causes that. Now, my clinic has a much lower threshold, so a lower number of eggs that makes them um, declare a freeze all basically and say that you have to wait for your body to settle down. So even though I didn't have any symptoms of OHSS, they... Um, at my egg freezing, they told me that I had to have um, a freezer, which I was so disappointed about at the time. Like we've been on this timeline, we'd had so many kind of false starts and setbacks and, and things that I was just finally thought I was in control of my timeline. And of course I wasn't at all. Um, and so we had to freeze all, which made, meant that we waited. We, we should have, if it had gone to plan, we would have, we should have found out whether or not we were pregnant on Christmas Day. And I think we had to wait until mid-February until wow. having the transfer, which, you know, in, in hindsight now, I'm like, well, this is our perfect timeline and that's great. But at the time it was oh, incredibly it was frustrating. So yeah, um, And it felt like a really long way away. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the, that that maps out that, that part of it um, and makes it all sound quite straightforward. But of course, there's kind of added added layers of things. So I had to take down regulation drugs because of the risk of OHSS. And that was actually, for me, the hardest part. Like I geared myself up for injections to be really, really horrible. And they were fine. Like I, I found them actually very empowering and was like, this is me 
doing you know I'm able to actually do something mm. to to support this thing that I want and to, to to hopefully get to where I want to be whereas the down regulation I was in taking injecting myself with drugs which seemed much more uncomfortable much more painful mm. um and it was doing the opposite of what I wanted <laughs> so um it's a it's a real roller coaster now of course along that process there are lots of different things that can happen so it might be that your body doesn't respond to the stimulation <clears throat> you have a low number of eggs it might be that the eggs don't um <clears throat> the the eggs are collected <clears throat> excuse me and um but they don't fertilize or that they don't develop from fertilization to um to sort of healthy day three or day five so it's a real it's an it can be an emotional roller coaster and I think the one thing that really I've I've you know I'm a yoga teacher and I I like to look after myself and my body and my mind and actually I found that I totally stepped out of all of my regular practices I thought I'd be this sort of like earth mother meditating my way through um the IVF process and I didn't at all I completely surrendered to this medicalized process and found that actually I actually sort of found myself more as a and, and will the same as more like an educator and a sharer and we you know our friends would ask about it and we we coped with it by sharing our process and sharing the sort of medicalization of it um and that was a, a real shock to me so it's a it's you know there's all these twists and turns that you only really learn about through your own experience or because they say this might happen mm. um, and you don't really know or understand that unless it happens to you mm. um, and and so we found it we found it really empowering actually to just be sharing with our with our friends and family along the way and and ask you know they will ask us lots of questions about where we were at at this point and and what was happening and, and kind of you know basically sharing what I've just shared now um I found a really really helpful tool for navigating it in with a sort of you know without feeling too much overwhelm and I know you can't speak for Will but how is this process for Will because of course you know he he can help with the injections I guess for for I don't know preparing them I'm guessing here but um, did he feel like he had a definite role and he could really get into it with you? I think it's I think it's really, really interesting. And, and of course, like when I'm I, I want to acknowledge that I went through this with a partner and, mm. and with a male partner. There are so many different reasons that you might be going through IVF. Maybe it's because you've chosen to have a baby on your own or you're in a same sex couple or for, you know, for whatever or, or like me for the um, because if that's what your fertility has dictated. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm speaking from, from, you know, from our perspective, it was a really interesting um, process to go through something so big and intense, but to have such different experience of it, which I think is like pregnancy also. Um, but the... The first injection that we did, we kind of we watched the how to video and we did it all together. After that, it was it was, at, you know, 
because I was able to sort of take them in my stride a little bit and they weren't as bad as I thought, or I didn't find them as challenging as I thought I was going to, um, there wasn't really that much that he could do um, except for be there for kind of emotional support. And actually, I think previous to the, our IVF process, it's actually not dissimilar from trying to conceive sort of naturally um in that our experience was always going to be really different like it was me that was tracking things it was me that was peeing on a stick because it um, ultimately it was my body that needed to be tracked um and and so I think that whole, the whole way through we've kind of been on this journey of you know doing something together and, and I feel very grateful that we've been able to do it together, but having very, very different experiences. And so I think to, together, that's probably why we felt that whole kind of, I don't mean that we saw ourselves as educators because we're not, you know, we've only got our own experience. We're not, we're, we're not pros in this at all, but being able to sort of hold those conversations and, and engage with our friends who were fascinated by it because we were the first of our, most of our friendship groups to, to go through this I think we both found the whole process very interesting and being able to then share that with people was for both of us a really powerful way of coping with it um I was I was about to say I was fortunate that I didn't get too affected by the hormones I did get affected by the hormones you're being pumped full of hormones um I'm fortunate that I have tools to cope with my, you know, fluctuations in how I feel. Um, and Will was fantastic at kind of just my moments of irrationality and just feeling kind of completely overwhelmed by things. He was able to be much more sort of calm about the whole the whole thing in moments where I wasn't because I was pumped full of hormones. Um, and but I think it must be really hard. It must have been really hard for him to see me go through, you know, your body swells up because again, from the hormones and, and there's all these, not everyone might mind minded. Um, it very much calls on a partner to sort of step into that support role. Um, and, and I think that's the only way that you can truly feel like equal equal parties in it and you know the difference it's really not very nice to have to go and give a sample in a you know in essentially a broom cupboard mm -hmm. but it's also I was injecting myself every day and having scans every other day like internal scans every other day and egg collections and transfers and all of these things um which it just asks you to have some empathy and compassion for each other. And, you know, the easy thing would be to say, like, all you've got to do is go and give a sample in a broom cupboard and I've got to go through all of this. But I also understand that's, you know, that was, that's part of his experience and neither of us necessarily want to be going through it. But ultimately we've got a common goal of hopefully ending up pregnant at the end and in a healthy pregnancy with a healthy baby at the end of that so yeah it's it's it it's a really interesting like I said I can't I, I can't and I wouldn't speak fully for him but I think it's been a very fascinating process for both of us um and it's definitely been one that has 
called on us to grant each other just additional amounts of kind of compassion and empathy and I think it's definitely added a sort of an additional layer of kind of depth and maturity to the way in which we um, are in relationship with one another Mm. Um, which is yeah which I feel very lucky to have had a partner to go through it with Um, but the experience for both of you is very different. And you are wonderfully pregnant um this might seem like an odd question and I hope the way I ask it doesn't seed anything it shouldn't or be misconstrued but do you feel and you've got nothing to compare it to so it's a tricky question but do you feel the connection to your little growing human that you thought you would going through the IVF process? Because the first trimester was so rough, I found it harder. Again, I always thought that I would love pregnancy and I found it very hard to admit that I wasn't loving it when it was something that I wanted enough to have gone through this process. Um, but we, I had some, <clears throat> I had some, complications in early pregnancy um uh subchorionic hematoma I think that's how you you, Mm. you'll know the wording subchorionic hematoma I think that's it yeah it's funny because a few weeks ago I'd have known it like constantly (laughs) but I haven't thought about it in so long um which essentially meant I had a couple of big bleeds um at the beginning and which have now resolved and that's absolutely fine and it's essentially um for those listening it's essentially like an internal bruise um that that can but doesn't always bleed um and for me when it did it was quite dramatic um and it I realized at that point how can like in those moments where I thought I was going to lose the baby I and I realized how connected I was to we now know it's uh, that we're having a boy um but we uh, how connected I was to him already and then we found we so we had but we had quite a lot of early scans so Mm. with our clinic they do um a viability scan at about seven weeks by that point I'd already had a scan because of the bleed and then the the hospital asked me to come back and do a follow-up on. So I had quite a lot of scans early on, which I think for me helped me to kind of feel more connected to him. Um, and then we, we then we did, um, we found out his sex at 10, 10 weeks um, and just being able to refer to him as him also really helped. And But I don't know if any of that is kind of, IVF or non-IVF related I think it's just you know once once you're pregnant you're pregnant and it doesn't really matter Mm. or if if you're pregnant you're pregnant it doesn't really Mm. matter how you how you got there I don't know how much it changes I think the I think the thing that I was trying to sort of get my head around is that there's this sort of uh, there's this weird sort of there's a lot of stigmas around assisted fertility Mm. um and I think there's like this image of kind of desperation around it and we tried to go through the process with just like feeling hopeful but just trusting and just letting the process be and actually for the first time in the whole of our trying to conceive journey 
just as we were starting IVF, I thought, you know, what I had for the first time ever, I had the thought of like, what, what's the worst that can happen here? Like, mm. we're, you know, we're, we're happy. We have a, a nice life. There's lots mm. that we want to do in life. Like if we can't have a baby, what, like, maybe it's not so bad. And that kind mm. of idea of like that sort of shadow of, or, or this preconception of like, um, uh, desperation within that process kind of dropped away for us mm. and for me and so I just felt so grateful when we when we got to that point um I felt very guilty that I didn't love being pregnant from day dot but I knew from three days after my transfer that I was pregnant and of course you don't find out for another little little while probably another we found out we, we my hormone levels were sky high, which probably explains why the first trimester was so brutal. We found out quite quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I think just because I, I just knew it in my body so early and I think that's where that kind of connection came from. Um, and I think that might have just been the case regardless of how we got there, really. Um, Absolutely, I completely agree. I was just curious to ask the question because Mm. I've only ever known it from one aspect um of baby making yeah Um, and I'm just so curious to to explore the other the other ways and the effects it can have on our body and our emotions and our feelings and our connections especially being a yoga teacher and having such an internal focus and and being so and I think that's probably why totally sorry to jump in I I think that's totally why I kind of knew very early on Mm. I think my practice probably helped I just was able to tune in very quickly and noticed that something was happening in my body which which happens through the IVF process as well but I was like I said before I'd kind of just been fast-tracked into this kind of scientific way of being and 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 acting in that way rather than from feeling which is where I operate from 99.9% of and and I yeah I think it's um but it really like it just the the other uh, sort of flip side to that though is that when you have been trying for a baby for such a long time and particularly if you know that there are issues around your fertility it can be very difficult to trust your body and for me it took a lot once I was pregnant to trust to let myself connect to the baby in a way because I I felt that connection but I was also protective of myself because my body hadn't done what it was inverted commas supposed to do before that so why was it going to suddenly do what it's supposed to do now um and so I had to kind of I had to let myself feel that connection that I felt rather than try and block it out does that make sense Mm -hmm. because it was it was there but I was also you know I'd learned I'd learned to sort of lower my expectations in the process that I'd been through um because I'd been disappointed so many times throughout our um fertility journey Mm -hmm. um and now I'm you know now I've learned to trust that okay well yeah actually my body knows how to do this bit was just 
bit before that it wasn't it wasn't too sure about (laughs) and you are so glowing with it Annie I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours and I have so many more questions for you but I really want to keep these episodes relatively short so they're easy for the listener to um grab and digest and that was a lot of information (laughs) (laughs) wonderful and I feel so I, I well I am now certainly more understanding of the whole whole process so thank you so much for coming on to share your experience and some of your journey and I would love 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 to have you back on um perhaps at the end of the series or towards the next series to chat to you about how you're preparing for motherhood and birth etc etc so maybe you'll come back and join us then I'd I'd love to thank you for having me and um and I think one thing is that if it can and that I just want to close on if that's Mm. okay is that it can as I mentioned previously I was lucky because I had a pathway into the kind of information sharing through um other people that had well my sister mainly that had gone through this um who's incredible and 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 shares lots about this too but um if anyone does if they are just curious about this or thinking that it's something that they do want to explore um then please know, as I hope I've, as I hope I've made it clear, um, I'm very, very open about this. And I think the more that we understand about it, um, the better equipped we all are to deal with whatever twists and turns come our way. So please just to encourage people to, to feel free to reach out with any questions. Never think that it's too weird or too um, kind of, yeah, too weird to ask. Just, just send your questions my way. And I'm always happy to, um, at least at least support you how I can or send you in direction of someone or something that can support you better than I can if I can't thank you so much Annie (laughs) oh thanks for having me a huge huge thank you to my dear dear friend Annie for coming on and sharing her IVF journey with us I found that so helpful and educating and just insightful into listening to her journey and Um, the whole process because I for one have had no idea um, the ins and the outs of um, an IVF uh, pregnancy. So I hope that that was supportive to you in some way whether it be you are looking to start the process yourself or maybe you're supporting a friend um, going through uh, their journey so I hope it was of some support. I will catch you next week on the podcast. Thank you once again for listening. If you have listened this week, I would really appreciate it if you shared when you're listening, if you've got Instagram on something like that or direct message me or just connection in some way is just so wonderful when um, I'm popping out episodes. It's really lovely to hear that you're listening and what you think about the episode. And if you have a moment, also a rate or a review would be really helpful wherever you listen or get your podcast that is greatly greatly received lots of love to you all have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next sunday for the next episode bye